Welcome to the Courage Checklist. I'm your host, Jennifer Chambers. Courage, we all want it. What are the things in our lives that we need courage to tackle? How do you find the guts to get the glory? How do you do the things you've always really wanted to do or be? You make the list, you check it off. It sounds simple, but actually doing the hard stuff, the soul deep stuff, it's not always easy. Find inspiration, ideas, and companions here who also keep trying no matter what. Let's talk about what's on our lists, from giant dream to tiny wish. We share stories of triumph, struggle, joy, and yes, failure, but we keep going together. What's on your list? I'm so excited to announce that I get to share my conversation with Julie Zaruba Fountain today. She is a facilitator, a coach, and the founder of Empower Possible. I hope that you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. I learned a lot from Julie, and there's some great tips and tricks in here, and I encourage you to look her up on her various social media platforms, as well as empowerpossible.com. Welcome. We're so excited to have Julie here with us today. Thanks for being with us, Julie. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. First of all, can you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and where you are and the kinds of things that you do? Absolutely. So hello, everyone. My name is Julie Zaruba Fountain, and I am a well-being specialist that's based in Duluth, Minnesota in the United States. And I specialize in health promotion and change management. So I have an educational background, an MBA in change and leadership, and then a master's degree in health, nutrition, and exercise science. So I have that in my 10 years of experience of guiding learners and leaders from a state of overwhelm, stress, and, and burden, or procrastination, and then moving it into action. And so my ultimate goal of Empower Possible, the business that I have, is to build a world where all can thrive. And I do that through workshops, online courses, keynote presentations, and consulting. And then when I'm not facilitating and consulting, I mentioned I live in Duluth, Minnesota, which is an outdoor city. So you can find me enjoying the outdoors in the summer. I like to hike and go biking and paddling. And then the wintertime, I love to ski and snowshoe. Wow. When we talked before this broadcast, I was very excited. And I even told my husband and he's all in. We are totally visiting Duluth this summer, I think. Oh, please do. Please do. It's a great, it's a great city. We have a lot to offer. I mentioned the outdoor activities, but if it's not nice outside, we've got a wonderful aquarium and science museum and marine museum. So yes, please do visit. Oh, well, it seems like a wonderful place in the world and it's neat. I haven't spent a lot of time there. So it's fun for me to hear about about that perspective. So what's one of your favorite things about the work you do with empowering other people? 
One of the favorite things that I like about the work that I do is really to see that moment when people are starting to really flourish. And there's that light bulb moment where they're starting to understand the meaning and purpose behind what they do and how they do it. And seeing people really enjoy sometimes for the first time their work. And I talk a lot about happiness and I talk a lot about well-being and under that foundation of happiness and well-being is really about purpose and meaning. And that's why I'm excited. I'm excited to be here today because underlying purpose and meaning is courage. You have to have the courage to really look at yourself and release those expectations that the world has for you in order to, to thrive. And sometimes that might mean having the courage to say no. That might mean having the courage to tell someone that's your goal for me. That's not my goal for me. And that doesn't fit into my values. And when people build up that strength, build up that courage and are living into their full potential, that's, that is so encouraging to me. And it's really, it's really exciting to help be a guide to that point. Oh my gosh, such important work. What are some of your tools that you use to help other people access their courage? The first, the first thing that we really do, it, I mentioned meaning and purpose. And with Empower Possible, we have something that I call the three empowerments. And that's something that is based off of my experience and working in well-being for over a decade and then in my education. And the three empowerments are self, social, and systems. So it all starts with the self when we're thinking about building up our courage and strength. It's a variety of assessments. If I'm working with a team, it might be we all in the team take a certain assessment, whatever assessment uh, seems most appropriate for that team. There's a, a lot of them out there. And then we compare scores. If I'm working with an individual, we go through the individual scores and organization. There's organizational assessments that I use. So it's all to create that baseline of understanding of how we operate, how our team operates or how our organizations operate. Because if you don't know how you're going to react in certain situations, if you don't understand sort of what makes you tick, then change is going to be very challenging because you won't be able to change because you won't know what's going to motivate you, what's going to lead to sustained change, what's going to be a benefit to you. So it all starts with the self. And then we move into social and systems, looking at our social networks, who is empowering us and who is not, and then systems. So what, what systems are empowering us and what systems are holding us down? What got you started in this kind of work? I mean, obviously you're educated for it, but I feel like there's a certain kind of person that's drawn to this kind of work. And I, I'm interested to see what was your experience. Yeah, uh, there's a couple of stories that are related to why I started this work. The story of how I started my business is a little bit different than the story of why I started this work. When I was in college, I originally picked my school because it had a physical therapy program. I thought I was going to be a physical therapist. Turns out I shadowed a couple of th physical therapists and, and didn't think it was the right fit for me. And then I was at the school, invested. I played tennis for that school. So I needed to find a different degree because uh, therapy wasn't going to be the direction I was in. And then I landed on exercise science. And it was through that program that I really learned about the physiology of the body. And that was really exciting to me and what, what we can do to live a healthy life. And then my second year of college, a presenter came to the university and started talking about Blue Zones. It was Daniel Butner, And Blue Zones are areas of the world where people live 
to be over 100 years old in greater amounts than the rest of the world. And they do that because they have a more holistic approach to health and well-being. And the, hearing that presentation was the first time I realized I can get paid to do this. Like, that is pretty amazing. I had no idea that this world existed. And went on to grad school after college, worked in corporate wellness. My graduate assistantship was in corporate wellness. So didn't get paid very much, but got paid a little bit to work. To work in that field as a grad assistant. And then I left the field for a couple of years and was in research. And it was during that time that I was in research that I wrote a grant to bring worksite wellness to my department because I missed it so much. And I saw the need for it in our department. And I got that grant and I started implementing a worksite wellness program in our within our department. And I thought, I should get a job in this so I can just do this full time. So that's what I did. I love it. I mean, everyone always talks about doing the things you love for your job and not everybody could manage that. So congratulations. (laughs) Right. And and it was I had to start out part time. So I worked part time and I was in a fortunate situation where I was able to do that. But yes, and once once I started in the field, it just has a lot of return on investments besides income. So there's lots of lots of benefits that I enjoy. And like you said, not everybody is maybe called to this work or finds it interesting, but I definitely feel like this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Well, and I think one of the really interesting things, when I imagine a person who does that kind of work, you have to know yourself first and you have to be courageous in your own self-value before you start teaching that to people. Absolutely. And the work that I do requires a lot of vulnerability, vulnerability from teams, mm-hmm. organizations. And in order to create that safe space, I'm not disclosing, you know, everything to everyone, but I have to be vulnerable on some level. And so I have to be confident in and, in and of myself to be able to share that, to be able to know when it's appropriate, to be able to know where I need to set up boundaries and when I don't. And in order to do that, there has been, yes, decades of work behind the scenes in order to show up today of who I am. Is there a particular story that comes to mind about being courageous in your own life? Absolutely. Walking away from a job in an organization that I spent a decade at was one of the professionally one of the most courageous things that I did. And you, for myself, I could choose to shrink and shrink myself down, just go with the flow, pretend everything is okay. Or I could say, I'm not happy with this environment. I'm not happy with the direction of this organization. And I'm not going to be treated the way that I am currently being treated. And I need to leave. I'm not going to hide in the shadows anymore. And I need to go where I can make the impact that I know I can make. And I'm very happy to say that it was worth the courage that it took to do that. Oh, my gosh. Advocating for yourself is one of the most terrifying things. But like you say, it's an incredible return. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Because it gives, it builds on each other. Like there are confrontations in life that you're going to have. You mentioned you have a husband that, you know, in in the healthiest relationships, there's going to be conflict. Like conflict is is healthy, and in work relationships, conflict is healthy. And 
if you consistently are not standing up for what you believe in the direction you are, that's taking away your unique contribution and that doesn't help anybody. And it certainly hurts yourself. Oh my gosh, yes. Are there any resources like books or podcasts or anything that you recommend to people to help empower themselves? Absolutely. And I stand for, I stand behind everything that I say. So I would recommend going to my own website. I have empowerpossible.com and there's free resources on there. There's my Regenerate Your World newsletter. That's a free newsletter that I send out that has tips just like the ones we've been talking about today. I also am informed and uh, I I love podcasts. So listening to your podcast, I'd say keep listening to your podcast for different stories and resources. And then also the work of Brene Brown has been really informative in my work. Brene Brown is a researcher. She studies shame and vulnerability. You're nodding your head. So I think <laughs> I think you're familiar. She's got a lot of really free resources. She also has her Dare to Lead program. And then for self-compassion, we talked about self-awareness. And part of that sometimes for those of us that can be kind of hard on ourselves sometimes, self-compassion is really important. And the work of Kristen Neff has been life-changing for me and for other, other people that hold themselves to a really high standard. And sometimes that leads to you not, not being the kindest to yourself. So it's a good process to go through. Uh, and I'm also, I'm also a very big fan of therapy, mental health therapy, finding a therapist to work with if there are things that maybe you just need some help getting through and moments of time to get through some tough, tough times so that I have a background in exercise physiology. So just like I work out my body by hiking and biking and doing all the wonderful things, I have to work out my mind too. And that really important and having that total well-being. Completely agree. And I have to say there's times in my life that therapy has been so incredibly useful. And in times when I can step away and I don't feel like I need it and learn the tools that I needed for the moment. But the ability to go back and, and talk about being vulnerable, but in a safe space and so, so helpful. I like it that you have a newsletter that, that you reach out to people with. I think that's a great idea. And it's been, talk about vulnerability. So I have, um, I don't consider writing a strength of mine, even though I've been told I'm a good writer, but I don't consider a strength of mine. I have a sister that is, one of my sisters is an English teacher and writer, and I've always thought she's the writer in the family. My dad used to write poems. I thought he's the writer of the family, and it wasn't something I identified with, but I have to say now that I've gotten into it, I really enjoy it. And that was a very pleasant, very pleasant surprise. I love that. I'm all for people. I think that writing is an incredible form of, of just being able to express yourself in a completely different way. Even if you're doing it just for yourself, as far as a journal, it's, it's easy to kind of quantify the way that you're thinking on paper, for me anyway. Right. And I always, I never liked journaling. And I would always say, giving talks. I said, journaling doesn't really work for me, but I know it's really, really helpful for other people. And so it's always been difficult for me to keep a journal. That's why I thought writing a newsletter might be challenging because my journal entries are about a sentence long and it's typically a quote that I liked throughout the day. It's not, <laughs> it's not all that, you know, I, I don't have a lot to say, but it did turn out, you know, I believe in trying different things and just seeing what works and I'm happy I did. I'm happy I tried that. 
oh, that's cool. I have to confess, I'm not like a regular journaler. I did. And I just got done with doing a series about the artist's way. And I'll do like 12-week periods where when I'm motivated by that, I'll I'll do my morning pages for 12 weeks and then I'll stop for a while and then I'll go back. <laughs> well, and I think that's the key to well-being. You don't need to be stuck in in a certain thing. There's different seasons in life that journaling makes sense. Or I know for me, with my well-being at Jalouse, a lot of it depends on the weather. So days that it's nice outside, I try to get outside. The days that it's maybe not so pleasant and I'd rather be inside, then I'm going to spend time reading a book or I'm going to spend time on a home project. So it's all about being adaptable to the situation and not shaming yourself because, oh, I didn't do that today. Maybe maybe you weren't meant to do that today. You know, maybe there's a different different way you can take care of yourself and it doesn't have to look the same every single day. Adaptability. That I feel like the older I get, that's like the key to life. Being able to adapt to the circumstance. It might not always be, you know, roses and champagne, but it's okay. I'm fine with apple juice and French bread. <laughs> right. Absolutely. And it it's a letting go. I'm going to get a little bit into mindfulness and and some philosophical thinking, but it is really about letting go of your attachment to an, a certain outcome and being so rigid about what it has to look like. And the more fluid you are, not I'm a goal person. I'm not saying don't set goals or don't have expectations or don't have things that you're looking forward to, but recognize and detach your well-being, your happiness doesn't depend on that. If it happens, that's great. And let's work towards that. But enjoy the journey along the way. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's that's 100 percent. Now, you mentioned your family a little bit. Can you tell us about do you have a support system? Do you feel like that's an important part of of your life? Yeah. So the second empowerment of Empower Possible is social. And so I would say there's different relationships in my life that help support different areas. There's different, a lot of different philosophies in my family about how to live life and different worldviews and different perspectives. And so for some things, I'm definitely that my family plays a role in. And then other areas, I'm closer to my friends because they share a more similar worldview and more similar perspective. So that's what's great about having different people in your life. One person isn't meant to fulfill every single role. So really for me, my friends are a really good support system in a lot of ways. And then in other ways, my family is a good support system. So it just depends on what it is I need support on. That's a wonderful answer. I'm interested in that because I think that there are a lot of people that don't have a support system. And I think that that can tend to make you a little bit less successful in what you want to do because you don't feel supported. So I'm, I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> well, one of the things that happened during the pandemic was a break in a lot of our social support systems and people needing to rebuild that. And loneliness is unfortunately becoming more common. So to your point about the social networks, yes, like loneliness can lead to feelings of depression and anxiety and that build, that might cause you to be less likely to reach out. And so it kind of is this cycle, a downward spiral. And whereas social networks, positive social connections can be an upward spiral in the other direction. Mm-hmm. Now, I always like to ask people if they feel like they're a particular style of learner. Are you like a visual or an auditory or are you a learner by doing? I think that's really interesting to find out. 
So I, it's kind of both for me. I first like to read things and then I like to see it. So I don't think in pictures, like if people say cat, you might think of like an orange tabby cat, like Garfield. For me, when you say cat, I think of the word cat. <laughs> like I see cat, the word. Uh, so visual things like making visual graphics, doing social media, things like that. It, it takes a little bit of effort for me because I'm just not geared that way. But if I see something in words, typically that's good. And then the video can supplement that. But I, I like to see it, then hear it, then watch it if I had a preference. Oh, I kind of have to read it and then do it. So I've heard a lot of people say that they're strictly visual. My best friend is like super, super visual about stuff and I'm not. So I think that's fascinating. <laughs> I have a team member of mine that she's that way. She's she's very, very visual too. And so I'm with my spreadsheet, you know, making a spreadsheet and she's with her diagram, making a diagram. <laughs> and then we come together and it balances it out. So it's great. Sounds like it works perfectly. <laughs> I think so. So do you have any projects coming up? You mentioned your talks. Do you have anything in particular coming up? Yes, I do have, I will, I'm working on a transitions course. So I kind of mentioned my organization, one of the organizations that I worked for went through some, a difficult period of transition there. So taking the lessons that I learned from that along with theories and frameworks of change and developing an online course. So that will be a new online course and workshop. And uh, I don't have a specific date on that launch date yet. And I also have a course about building strengths that's going to be coming out in August. So if you sign up for the newsletter, everything will be in the, the newsletter so you can get updates on that information too. Ooh, I love it. Now tell everybody where they can find you and where they can find your newsletter to sign up. Go to empowerpossible.com and then let's connect and you can sign up for the newsletter and resources. I'm also, I'm at LinkedIn. So Julie Zaruba on Zaruba Fountain on LinkedIn and Instagram and Facebook is at EmpowerPossible. Oh, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure talking to you today. Yes, thanks for having me. I appreciate the time. I love talking with Julie. It was so much fun. Um, I wanted to go over the things that I learned from Julie. We talked about it at the beginning of the episode. But the first one was how the key to life is adaptability. I think that's so important. And how important it is to not shame yourself. I loved how she talked about how seeking out help and therapy, things like that, really, really can change your life. And how letting go of attachments can be so important. I also wanted to actually name a couple of the books we were talking about. She was mentioning how much she enjoyed the works of Brene Brown. And so I went out and I'm starting to read Daring Greatly and The Gifts of Imperfection. Brene Brown is someone that I have read before, but not for a while. So I think I'm ready for that kind of insight in my life. I don't know about you. And also the works of Kristen, Kristen Neff. Fear Self-Compassion sounds like an incredible, incredible title. So that's the one I'm going to start with. Remember, you can follow Julie at Empower Possible. And I very much encourage you to do that. Thanks so much for listening. And have a great week.
Sometimes we have to start over Sometimes we have to fight back Sometimes it's all too much Lost inside the black